This is the future. This is not the past. The new XFL will kick off in 2020. If you smell what the XFL is cooking. It's still football, but it's professional football reimagined. This is our moment, our story to tell. This is history begun. This is the XFL! Welcome, football fans. This is the week of January 12th, 2020. This is an official league podcast, and this is the XFL show. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Bryant. This week, the rules were released, and the reimagining of the game has officially been printed. It's episode 104. This rules! And we are only four weeks, one month, away from kickoff 2020. Training camp is hot and heavy. We got our rules, and we got the rules expert this week. Head of officiating for the XFL, Dean Blandino, is going to be on the show. Unfortunately, Jake's not here to say we're closer than ever, Vince, because he took this week off because he said he needed a week to totally absorb all the rules, learn about them, and come fully prepared for next week. I don't blame him. There is a lot to digest here. We're going to try to do that on the program. Uh, Now that we see that number four for the number of weeks, I equate that to one month. And that is just closer than ever. I cannot wait. We finally have the rules. This thing is starting to feel as real as it gets. It is officially closer than ever. Bryant, Jake's studying as we speak all these rules. We're going to talk a lot about them today. Uh, first off, Vince, I love your calendar on this show. You, you continue to amaze me with your calendar math here every single week. But yes, Alan, we I, I printed it. You, you say printed rules. I have them in front of me, and I've been Paper. studying them since they've been released. It's it's been an amazing week. I can't imagine Jake right now. I sure I'm sure Jake is sitting in a room with a locked door and, and just tons of paper in front of him, chalkboards everywhere, writing all this stuff out, making sure it works in his brain and on paper. Uh, he's he's gonna make sure these are done and understood to the T. So you guys may have them printed out, but I always have them on my tablet pulled yes. up on my home page, which is xfl.com slash rules. Yep, that's where you can find the rules if you want to read them online, right there, xfo.com slash rules. And we want to know your opinions on them. You're going to hear a lot from Dean Blandino. We're going to dive deep into discussions about each and every single rule that came out this week. Dean Blandino is going to clarify a lot of stuff, that interview, and then we're going to discuss what we our reactions to the interview. So it's going to be a lot of fun breaking it down, but we want to hear from you. At XFL Show, at XFL 2020, let us know what you think of these rules. Which ones do you have questions about? Which ones are you excited about? And uh, we could hopefully clarify and uh, maybe discuss it together right there on social media, at XFL Show. And, of course, the XFL fan line is wide open for you to call in and be on the show. Be heard by all your fellow football freaks at 724-565-4XFL. Call in anytime and leave a voicemail, and we could put it on the show. Also, training camp's going on in Houston as we speak. And actually today, as we record this on a Saturday morning, guys, uh, Joint practice day is today, so teams are actually going to lock horns for the first time a little bit uh, today. That's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll be able to react to it all on the next show, but training camp's getting hot and heavy, and 
I cannot wait. Next week, Brian, you and I will be down there in Houston for training camp. Live and in color, Alan, you and I will be there watching the action uh, unfold in front of us. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get down there uh, to bring you to you, you as well, listeners, some some great insight and some coverage of what's going on. I can't wait to see some of these rules in place. That's what I'm most excited about. I'm still going back to these rules, but going down there uh, for training camp to see what's going to happen uh, every single Saturday and Sunday for the next you know 12 weeks after the season kicks off. Uh, is what I'm most excited about. Yeah, when we're in Houston, I've marked off I've, at least 80% of the time I'm down there, I'm just going to watch kickoffs being practiced. Wherever there's a kickoff, I want to be there to see how that thing works. I want to get a glimpse of it. It, it. Well, we get a glimpse of everything, right? We're not just kickoffs. I want to see punts. I want to see um, this double forward pass in action. Uh, there, oh. There's a lot of things that I want to see while I'm down there, and I'm glad uh, that we're going to get to be a part of it. You would be so fortunate. I don't know if we if if coaches are going to let a, let our eyeballs on those double forward pass schemes. We'll see, but we'll be down there in Houston trying to see everything we can, and uh, that's going to be a fun fun uh, trip and and show from Houston. So look forward to that. Of course, you can find the show on any podcast app or on XFL.com. Uh, we dropped a bonus show earlier this week, right when the rules came out, an instant reaction show. We dipped our toe into some of the stuff uh, regarding the rules, but today is going to be very thorough as Dean Blandino will be joining the program. But you could find this show right there on XFL.com and Vince right under in the news section under where it says podcast. There's now a new transaction section in the news portion of XFL.com. So you got rules, podcasts, and transactions all there on your homepage. Yeah, you got that right, Alan. And that transaction tab has been, you know, just on fire uh, the past several <laughs> weeks, you know, uh, uh, or a week or so dealing, you know, you got camp injuries, uh, you got guys popping up on different teams. It, it, it's very exciting just to watch that and, and see all the new players that are coming out there and see how they're going to perform in training camp. Uh, we're just kind of one week into this thing. Uh, but I imagine, you know, these, these, uh, uh, depth charts are really going to start to take shape as we go through uh, the next week of camp. And I'm very interested to see, you know, by by week two, uh, probably by the end of week two, to see where these uh, new additions line up on the teams. Yeah, it's it's been an active, active uh, couple of weeks regarding you know the rosters because we expected that. You know, with training camp, you got injuries. You've also got fresh, you know, fresh blood out there. Uh, available guys that teams could bring in. So we've been monitoring that. And uh, let's discuss some of it and everything else going on in Houston right now from TDECU Stadium to Rice Stadium to Del Mar Stadium and everywhere in between. The XFL has taken over Houston. Training camp's underway. And there's some news and notes from down there in Texas we got to talk about. And do what you got to do. The championship run starts right now. Wildcats on three, one, two, three. Let's go. Let's go. As usual, Bryant, the Wildcats are hyped down in Houston. Moss has got his players fired up. We'll talk about L.A. in just a second. But in training camp in Houston, I'd say so far, the big news has come from the Dallas camp with the Renegades. Landry Jones, the quarterback, as we were recording, the other day, earlier this week, the injury news came out about his knee out four to six weeks. We we touched upon it, Vince, but Landry Jones goes down and apparently going to be out 
into the beginning of the season. We shall see. We talked a little bit about his backup, Philip Nelson, stepping into the starting role. He's been with the team. But since then, the team has also brought in another quarterback, former Syracuse quarterback, Eric Dungy. Yeah, that's that's right, Alan. Eric Dungy, this kid out of Syracuse, just one tough SOB. Uh, he was in several NFL camps uh, th- this uh, past season, and I'm very excited to see him in the XFL. Make no mistake about it, this kid is not just going to be a camp arm as far as I'm concerned. I, I could easily see him uh, passing Phil Nelson or, or their other quarterback, Gerard Hurd, once he gets a little bit more acclimated to the system. This guy, you know, he is not afraid to run the ball, very effective runner, uh, stick his nose in where it doesn't belong, and he can also push the ball down the field too. Uh, Drastically different quarterback than what we got in Landry Jones. So I could see them using both these guys uh, come the season starts if, if Eric sticks with the team. Seems like a good double forward pass kind of quarterback to throw out there for, yeah. a, for, a, for a, a gadget play, but also a, a good leader. I mean, he had Syracuse in some pretty big moments and and, and led them for a while there, and, and he's bounced around some NFL practice squads. Uh, Bryant, when you see the Dallas Renegades, their, their star quarterback, their top guy, the first player ever in the XFL go down, you gasp a little, and then you see also they bring in, uh, they put a w- wide receiver and Gerard Hurd into you know some quarterback uh, sets there to practice a little bit to have their emergency guy. But then you see Eric Dungy join the team, and that's got to be a relief. How huge do you think that is for a team to ha- experience an injury like this in the XFL and it not be a complete disaster? Because it really could have been. But I think Eric Dungy is a pretty awesome, awesome. Uh, backstopper or or security blanket to get after Landry Jones goes down well I mean if you're if you think if you put any stock into what Vince tells you Vince has been telling you about this man for a long time ever since the the initial player cuts so I'm very excited to see him but it is pretty cool to have the XFL with some backup plans some some structure to what's going on here when when big time players go down also the excitement when you bring in uh, wide receivers and other quarterbacks into this double forward pass rule. So the, the transactions that are happening, it does, it, it's like a, it's like a nice warm blanket when you're watching your team get put together <laughs> because then you feel safe. You feel like there, there's plans in place to help make sure that we have some good uh, crisp football this season. Yeah. Credit to uh, Moose Johnston for being able to land Eric Dungy Vince, because when we were talking about him a while back crisp football. And, and you know going over players we'd like to see in this league he ended up getting an NFL opportunity and uh fortunately for the XFL though he has landed right back in the laps of the Dallas Renegades yeah that's a you know I, I like the point that Bryant kind of made there and it kind of goes back to what Oliver Luck was telling us you know many 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 weeks ago uh in that you know, there's a lot of good football players out there uh, they're not all just in the NFL. There's good guys that, that aren't quite there, and there's a lot of good ones in the XFL we've seen, even good, better ones that could be added. Uh, and, and we got one here in Eric Dungy. Guys just want to play football, and Eric Dungy's going to have the opportunity. And, of course, we'll monitor what's up with Landry Jones. Like you said, Vince, a very different quarterback. So how does that affect Dallas's uh, scheming and game planning for week one? Does Dungy have a chance to pass Philip Nelson on the depth chart? How supplanted was he as the number two? Some stuff we will have to monitor over the next four weeks. But we must move on in training camp. 
to some other teams. Oh, real quick, also, in order to sign Dungy, the Renegades released their long snapper, Owen Gilbert, and uh, Christian Kuntz will take over the long snapper role. More on long snappers with Dean Blandino a little bit later on. Let's go to Seattle. Uh, and just if you're watching team social media, you saw all sorts of cool stuff. Awesome catches, you know, XFL.com's down there getting video of pretty cool stuff from training camp and doing some features on players. And one of the best images I saw was uh, defensive back Jonathan Alston's tattoo of the Seattle Dragons. Big, big Tony Montana tattoo. Al Pacino and Scarface right there. Looked really awesome. If you're a fan of that movie like I am, I just thought that was the coolest. And uh, I like these player features they're doing, Brian, uh, for whoa, each whoa, whoa, team. Alan, 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 hold on, Alan. Can you please say the quote that was on there in the Tony Montana voice? Come on, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you want me to do? You want me to do my Tony Montana? I work hard for this. I want you to know that that was bad. Mm-hmm. Say yeah, hello to bad. my little friend. There you go. I gotta <laughs> yell. I have to yell if I'm doing my Al Pacino. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan Alston, but uh, Seattle's doing work, and maybe when Jake's back on, he could give you his best Al Pacino. He's probably better than yours, Alan. Yeah, he's working on his English accent for the rule book. But Seattle, as we speak, gearing up for today a joint practice, Vince, with Dallas. So you got the Dragons and the Renegades uh, going at it in practice later on today in Houston. Yeah, this is something I'm I'm probably most excited about when it comes to training camp is these joint practices to see uh, you know how uh, the teams could compete against each other and then ultimately some scrimmages and you could do that with uh, uh, the all the training camps being in in one city which is just still just a genius idea uh, I, I can't I can't talk about it enough yeah it gives you great days like. Uh, today, our, our, our day of recording, it is joint practice day. It's happening across the league. So Seattle and Dallas will be hooking up. Let's go to Tampa Bay where Aaron Murray, their quarterback, said uh, that they've been through four or five installs and that the base of the offense and the base of the defense are basically in. We would hope so now a week into training camp, and they're, they're doing a lot of tweaking there in Tampa Bay. Their joint practice is going to be with Houston. And Houston, when you talk about that transaction page being on fire, Vince, they signed a lot of guys over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Daniel Braverman, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, who actually went down with an injury, uh, so was put on IR. Uh, also, Myquan Dean, the tight end out of Western Kentucky. Friend of the show, Sean Hickey, the guard from Syracuse, getting signed by R- the Roughnecks. Congrats to him. Alex Jenkins, a defensive end out of Incarnate Word. Jay Liggins, a corner out of Dickinson State. Charles Tua a defensive tackle out of Texas A&M Commerce, and Brandon Watson out of Mid-American Nazarene, an offensive tackle, was signed but then put on IR, also injured. So Houston making some moves, and uh, they will lock up with the Vipers, Bryant, for their joint practice later today. Well, we're seeing a little bit of a trend here, right, where where teams are, are having these joint practices with teams on the other side of the country right they're not they're not in their own little conference or division but yeah houston's making some moves trying to get to that perfect recipe i almost feel like they're colonel sandals right (laughs) we're trying to find those 11 perfect herbs and spices as they make all these transactions but that's the nature of football and you see that all the time so houston putting in the work to make sure that they can get the right team in place 
and, and, and ready for these joint practices. I can't wait to see what uh, Aaron Murray is going to bring. That's what I'm also – the Tampa Bay Vipers I'm most intrigued about because I want to know what Mark Trestman is doing down there with all of his quarterbacks. And, and he was he was one that told us that he might even have a fourth quarterback on that team at some point. Who knows? Uh, he He's my most intriguing coach that I want to see perform uh, down in the training camp. Yeah, and then you also – I mean, this is going to be a really interesting joint practice because I'm I want to watch those QBs for Tampa Bay – and then you know June Jones's offense in the XFL. See how a real uh, a defense that's supposedly really fast in Tampa Bay, uh, how they're going to react to it. And also, we're not going to gloss over the fact, uh, Vince, in that the the Houston signings was a tight end. They got a tight end finally, Mike Juan Dean. June Jones got yeah. himself a tight end. How about that? Uh, he's maybe he's going to use them more as an H back. You know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see exactly what position uh, Mr. Dean plays. Well, he might he might take him into into consideration for the kickoff return. If you listen to our bonus return, we yeah. said you need you need some good, uh, good t- tight ends, some agile big men uh, in those kickoff and kickoff returns. So maybe he was listening to us, and that's why he picked up the best one available. Long jumbo athletes is what yeah. we call them in, in the in the football world. Long, <laughs> yeah, long. You want that? You want to have be able to spread those arms wide and and keep guys from getting around you on those kickoffs. Cannot wait to see those in action. Seriously, I just keep – it's all I keep picturing in my head is that first kickoff in D.C., and that's where we'll go next. Uh, the defenders have Sam Montgomery on their defensive line, and one of the more exciting players we talked about whenever the draft happened, and all words out of camper that is that that guy stepping up as a, a real leader and causing a lot of havoc uh, for his fellow defenders on offense. And uh, the, the D.C. defenders got – a very special player, Vince, for their offense. I, I mean, you could honestly say they're pretty loaded in terms of guys who are good in college or have a lot of credibility from even their high school playing days. And they added another one in Nick Brosset, former LSU running back, but also an all-time rushing leader in the state of Louisiana to join Donnell Pumphrey, who's the all-time NCAA rushing leader, and Jarrell Presley, who are already on that roster. The D.C. Defenders run game is pretty awesome. Yeah, Nick Brosette out of LSU uh, added to the mix here. And, Alan, you talked about it. They already had a, a very strong backfield uh, headlined by Donnell Pumphrey. Um, and then you also got Cardell Jones as the quarterback. He could he could run the ball a little bit. I'll say this, uh, you know, as much as I talk about uh, the Dallas offense uh, um, coordinated by um, uh, Hal Mummy, and you got uh, – Obviously, Bob Stoops there, who I still can't believe is in this league. Uh, you got uh, on D.C., it, this is the offense probably I'm most interested to see what they do as far as an attack because you got a lot of different options there in, in terms of running the football. Uh, and, you know, if, maybe if I'm one of the coaches at, at D.C., I'm at least exploring, you know, an Urban Meyer-type system that uh, – that, um, Cardell Jones was in whenever he was at Ohio State. Uh, something, you know, a lot of shotgun based, a lot of good running out of the shotgun. You certainly got some athletes there that could take advantage of it. You got a, a good slot receiver in Eli Rogers, you know, that could shake loose uh, uh, on some, you know, some RPO type plays. I, I'm very, very fascinated to see what they come up with here in D.C. I think it could be one of the tougher offenses to stop, uh, especially if they get, get that tempo going with the 25-second play clock. Yeah, fast, this, fast, 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 fast. Yeah, that's fast, Pep fast, Hamilton's fast. team. Yeah, he's, that's the Pep <laughs> Hamilton mantra, Bryant. And the, and he, he brought up the RPO 
uh, Bryant Vince said it. The the line of, the the illegal man downfield rule is really going to play into that kind of offense. So if they go with that, you've got a lot of ability three yards to really have that fake run action if Cardell Jones and, and the DC defenders run that kind of offense with all these running backs now that they have on the roster. Well, yeah, all players on the offense make the reads off the offensive linemen. So imagine offensive linemen being able to do those, you know, pulls and 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 blocking up into the secondary. You're going to psych out people so bad when it comes to runs that it, it, the the play the passing game just opens up mightily. So I'm really excited to see that that um that that RPO RPOs in the XFL because I feel like the XFL has molded its rules and I think Pep Hamilton's going to take but, full advantage of those RPO rules. Yeah, but I mean even just stopping this offense I think just on a uh even if they just line it up and pound it against you I think yeah. it's going to be difficult with Bro Sit set you know a tremendous cutback runner Allen I know you covered him a lot at LSU uh you know he could just you know plant his foot in the ground and go. Oh, he's a legit back. Yeah, he's he is a very special player. And then you add, add pump in there too, who is an Aztec <laughs> God and an amazing legend, a college football legend. I will call him. I mean, that, that run game is really good. I, I expect them to utilize all those players. And I can't, yeah, I think the RPO uh, point there, Vince is really accurate. I think DC is definitely a candidate of teams to uh, take advantage of the rules. I also going back though to Houston, do you think June Jones will do that at all? Because his offense is a lot different from that, but you might have to, I mean, the, the league's almost asking you to kind of run those kind of plays at least a little bit. Uh, he, he might, but you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta incorporate your system. I'm sure, you know, at some point he he's going to install that. Uh, but you know, as of right now, he's got his offense that he wants to install. Um, and he's going to do that. You only, it's not like he has, uh, you know, t- several months to to put together an offense. He's only got you know about you know a month or a little over a month or so. I think he's going to stick to what he knows, and then it's going to have some principles of a run pass option. But I still expect you know June Jones to push that ball down the field early and often. And Brian, I think if we're going to tab one of the joint practices to maybe get a little too physical, it's got to be this one. DC is going to line up on Saturday with the LA Wildcats. So by the time anybody hears this, it'll already have happened. They might have seen some of the images on social media. Hopefully they're not too graphic or violent, but I expect it to get <laughs> physical when Winston Moss's team gets uh, gets to their joint practice with the defenders. And LA's coming off of a three-hour practice uh on friday too so winston moss has been working uh his wildcat team pretty hard so far in houston he has and 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 i don't know what you guys feel like but i feel like the la practice and the la training camp has been the most silent out of all the eight teams we haven't really heard much in terms of movement and and what's going on down there winston (laughs) moss has been kind of um playing everything close to the vest so i i'm I'm very curious to see what winston moss is doing out there uh, against the DC defenders, but you're right. They might be holding in all that aggression that it might come out on Saturday. He may be quiet in terms of, you know, actual information being released, but yeah. believe me, he, he is yelling loud yes. and clear. He is oh, he's got a megaphone. He's out there with a megaphone. It's the best thing ever. If you're not watching it on their uh, social media at Wildcats, uh, excuse me, at XFL Wildcats, uh, he, he's out there with a megaphone yelling at everyone. It's a, it's actually quite entertaining. I just meant more in the sense that of what's coming out of cra- of camp. Tra- it, transactions of and yeah, and and uh, well, all we're hearing is the Wildcat way. They're really 
you know, hammering that home. There's that's the message. Um, we're going to play a clip of the coach's reactions to the rules. And you're going to hear also, as usual, Winston Moss's reaction to the rules coming out very different from all the other coaches mm-hmm. as well. Uh, let's go to New York, who brought in uh, Chad Kanoff, uh, the former Princeton quarterback, was on the Bucks practice squad uh, to to join them in camp. So now uh, they're getting ready to have their joint uh, with the St. Louis Battlehawks. So adding a quarterback there to uh, maybe compete or uh, back up. Matt McGloin, we'll see. Uh, so the Battlehawks did make some moves. Vince uh, transactions, signing Dwayne Hendricks, an edge rusher at a pit, linebacker Ma- Matthew Thomas, who played for Florida State, and then Demore Pearson L, who was drafted out of Nebraska but ended up going to an NFL roster or practice squad, is now back with the Battlehawks. And uh, so they added three more players and uh, – you know, three players we recognize, at least you and I, Vince, we were talking before the show. I think Matthew Thomas is a player who's had some issues but could be pretty good, and you and I know all about Dwayne Hendricks. Yeah, Matt Thomas, tre- tremendous athlete there, uh, and has bounced around a little bit in the NFL. But Dwayne Hendricks, I'm very excited to see this kid. I've been following him for the probably the past six or seven years. Uh, originally signed uh, to go to University of Tennessee, Played early on in his career at Tennessee, uh, playing on the defensive line in the SEC is no joke, especially at a young age. Then ends up transferring to University of Pittsburgh. Uh, this kid battled a lot of injuries, just you know, could not stay healthy, could not, uh, even though he was playing, was definitely not 100%, but a big kid uh, at on, uh, on, the, on the defensive end position, he could definitely hold up at the point of attack. There's no question about that. I expect them to be strong in the run defense and hopefully be able to get after the quarterback on the pass rush. I think they're getting a nice player here. St. Louis is in Dwayne Hendricks. And they're going to be going toe to toe with the guardians later today, Bryant. So uh, your favorite logo versus your least favorite logo in a joint practice later today. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if did I say the Guardians were my favorite. I don't know. Uh, don't don't skip They're on the uh, Pearson Al. <laughs> that's Jerry. That's a good point. Uh, Pearson now Don't don't skip on him too. Real quick, Alan. I just want to go back to him. I watched him perform uh, with the uh, Stallions in the Alliance, and he 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 was magic out there for them. I really did enjoy watching. I think he's the best L to ever play a wide receiver too. By the way, well, okay, oh, you bite your tongue. You know. <laughs> well, Vince, why uh, do you York chuckle is- when he says when he says watching him with the Stallions? Uh, just, just that Bryant's still talking about the Alliance. <laughs> Isn't it, I still think it's somewhat relevant. I mean, you've, you've seen a lot of these players perform. It, it's, not, it's not relevant. <laughs> you know, that is a great debate that we might have to have one day because I did see some people out there wondering how great the competition level would, was in the Alliance with some of their best players, quote-unquote, were are not in the XFL. So to see some of these players come out, though, that I that I felt were uh, legitimate talents in the Alliance, I, I'm glad to see them. Because he was on a practice squad or trying to get on a practice squad the entire season. So that's that's some legitimate talent that the, the Battlehawks have, received, uh, have gained uh, over the last few days. Uh, but, Alan, you said New York and St. Louis are going to have their joint practice. This one uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see because these are uh, division foes that they're going to get together. They're going to play twice uh, throughout the season. To, to, so to see what, what kind of an animosity. Now, this one is where every coach is going to just be like, no, we're not really going to show them too much because we want to make sure we save it for the season. It's a team you could potentially be playing three times. 
You know, if you both make the playoffs, that's that's the that's the reality of being in a in one of these uh, division matchups or joint practices or whatever. Whenever you go against someone, the familiarity is just going to develop, and it's going to develop very quickly between the teams. So here you go. Uh, yeah, with the joint practice, it's basically getting started right now. Second part of this week's cover two. Let's take it to. Well, not just Vegas, Vince, but all over the country because you could gamble on sports in a lot of places, a lot more places than what you used to be able to. And I think that's a great thing. I think it's going to be a good thing for the XFL. And the XFL recognizes this, and that's why they signed a multi, multi-year multi deal with Genius Sports in order to protect the XFL from improper sports betting. Right now, the people from Genius Sports are going to be heading to Houston, and they will be having betting-focused educational workshops with players, coaches, and game officials to protect the game, to make sure that, you know, there's integrity. There isn't fixed games or any kind of shenanigans in that regard. And uh, Genius Sports also works with the English Premier League and the PGA Tour, so they have a reputation, which is great for the league, and that's what you need whenever you're about to have a sport that's going to be gambled on, hopefully by millions of people. And some states already this week, Vince, began authorizing and clearing the way for fans to go bet on the XFL this week. Yeah, how about that? Um, you know, th- this is this is something you kind of have to do. You got you got to have a, a um, kind of like a, a seminar, so, so to speak, for, from a, a an authority like the Genius Sports. Uh, that the XFLs brought in, you know, all other professional sport le- sports leagues, NFLs included, they always have a workshop for players entering the league, telling them, you know, uh, you know what you can and cannot do, and what to stay away from uh, with regards to gambling and all sorts of other temptations that are out there in life. Uh, so uh, I think this is excellent that the XFL is going to do that, do this. You know, gambling corruption probably bigger now than ever. Um, that that could uh, could potentially happen. Hopefully, it does not, um, and I, I don't think it will. Whenever uh, you know the XFL is taking these kind of precautions, Brian, what do you think of uh, states like Delaware though, saying that the rules coming out this week were a little uh, uh, too different for for them as a state to authorize the XFL to be bet on. So there are some, there are some States that are maybe steering clear, at least for now, and maybe mid season might change their minds, but initially are, are afraid to authorize betting on the XFL. Well, uh, that's why these seminars are important. And that's why the XFL um, had the Wildcats go to Las Vegas to explain all these things. Maybe the, the New York guardians should have gone to Delaware for the, for their mini camps to help Delaware understand what's going on with the XFL. The, it's just an understanding, and again, nobody wants to to go into something not really un- fully understanding what's going on. And, and I understand the due diligence, but well, I think as the season progresses, you'll see more and more people offering uh, towards uh, the XFL betting odds. But also, the XFL is welcoming all this, right? They're 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 they've worked with the Action Network on Twitter. I've seen them put out full articles and interviews and, and things like that. The XFL is embracing this. Um, more so than any other league, I will say, in, in professional sports. And to hire genius sports to, to do this for you is just showing everyone else how serious you are about, you know, betting and, and how you're going to embrace this going into your first, uh, you know, your inaugural season here in 2020. 
Yep. Covering your bases, making sure everybody's smartened up and that this could all happen in a clean, legal and respectable fashion. And that's what I'm excited for. I cannot wait. This weekend, Vince, is a great weekend for betting on football, NFL divisional playoffs. And I'm looking forward to doing that, hopefully, a little bit during the XFL season where you put put your money on some games and hopefully some prop bets because there are some interesting opportunities with the rules of the XFL for prop bets. Yeah, yeah, football certainly, you know, the the number one bet on sport by far and you know to continue that a- after uh after February, um you got to imagine that that sports books around the country would just be salivating over uh, an opportunity like that and then you talked about props Alan. Yeah, like I could easily see it will two forward passes be completed on the same play. Like I I could see that right now. Uh you know that that's going to be very interesting to see. Will Eric Dungy lead the league in double forward passes? Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be him, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer yeah, to the league. My money's on Keenan Reynolds for that. All right, let's get into the, the bulk of this week's show, and that is rules, rules, rules. Without rules, you have chaos, as Jake would tell you if he was here and not home reading all the rules. So before we discuss even further than we did on our bonus episode earlier this week. All the rules that came out, let's have the man in charge of the officiating in the XFL, the rules expert of rules experts, Dean Blandino, joined me earlier this week, and we got into everything that we, I, th- I thought, Bryant thought, Vince thought, Jake thought, and even you, the fans thought, was essential to square away and really hash out and fully understand and grasp. We took some of your questions on social media. We took our own questions, and we fired them at the head of officiating for the XFL. And he responded with, I think, clarity and and, and simplicity, which is what this is all about. Safer, smarter, simpler rules. So after the interview, we're going to discuss and react to everything he says. But first, it is Dean Blandino in this week's Good Crisp interview. Good Crisp football. Head of officiating for the XFL, Dean Blandino. Welcome to This is the XFL Show. It's been a pretty fun week for you, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a busy week. You know, we announced we announced our rules, and, and uh, I didn't realize how many people were were interested in, in the rules of the game, but we've been nonstop all week just on different shows and, and different conference calls. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I could tell you as a fan, as a football fan, this has been the week I've been looking forward to the most just because it is the reimagining of the game. The rule book is that is just that. And we saw a lot of uh, differences here from some of the more traditional uh, football we've come accustomed to. And it's super exciting. Let's dive into some of these rules. You're the man to talk to. So I want to start first uh, with just the overall concept of the rules that you put together. It seems like there was a conscious effort to just simply provide more opportunities for true offensive plays from scrimmage. The overtime, the punt, the field position as a result of the kickoff rule, there's going to be a lot of offensive plays under center in the shotgun. Was that the case? Was that the goal? Yeah, I think that was definitely one of the goals. And, and a lot of work and study and background went into these rules and talked to a lot of different people and fans and people around the game. And, uh, and I think it was two things. I think the things that came up were the pace and to maintain a good pace, to not have a lot of stops and starts and, and unnecessary delays. So eliminate some of that downtime. And I think the other thing was, was the offensive side of the ball. Not, not 
not completely ignoring the defensive side of the ball because you have to have the right balance. But fans, they we talk to, they they want big plays. They want to see more scoring. And so a lot of things that we did with the rules is going to incentivize teams to not punt on fourth down, to go for it, to 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 not try to to not try to play conservatively and to play aggressively. And we think that's going to be a more exciting game. Yeah, the, the punt rule definitely is going to be encouraging that for sure. How many plays from scrimmage, quarterback under center in the shotgun, whatever, can fans expect then over the course of an XFL football game from, from one of the teams? Yeah, I think with a with a shorter play clock, so we're, we're going to have a 25-second play clock, and obviously NFL college is 40. I think we're going to see more plays from scrimmage, and then that, and that was the goal, more football, less downtime. And uh, you know, NFL game averages – uh, probably 155 plays a game. College is is higher. There's more tempo in college, but I think we're looking at we're looking at probably in 100 165 170 plays per game. And then there's the kickoff rule, which is really exciting because it's going to open it up for more kick returns. And this is kind of the meatiest part of the rules uh, page on the website so far because yeah. there's a lot of differences here, and it's and it's really exciting. Will this design for for the kickoffs? give us teams averaging a starting field position then at midfield because there are going to be so many returns and they, there is that waiting period for the for the all the players besides the return man and the kicker well yeah i don't i don't know if it's going to be midfield but i think you're going to get a you're going to get a pretty good starting field position because again it, it's set up differently at least at the start of the play where where you're going to have 10 kicking team players at the return team's 35 and then 10 return team players at their own 30. So five yards apart. So it's going to definitely promote more returns. And, uh, and we'll see, depending on the, what happens, the blocking up front and, and how many yards, but what we've tested is I think your, your average drive start in the NFL is probably somewhere at 22, 23, close to the 24 yard line. I think we're probably going to be somewhere near, near the 30 yard line, but, uh, but again, it's going to depend on on those returners and those blocks, and, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I can't. I cannot wait to see. Uh, this is a totally different kind of concept for sure. And and I want I want some uh, clarity just not for my sake. Exactly, how does the illegal pr- procedure work on the kickoff? Is it anything in the end zone or short of the twenty is a penalty? Correct. Yeah. So so you have to kick the, you have to kick the ball past the 20 uh, in the air. So if the ball, that, that, that's to prevent, you've got all those players up front, that's to try to prevent, you know, kind of a line drive kick to try to hit one of the players. So it has to cross the 20 in flight. If it doesn't, it's just a dead ball, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come all the way back to the 45, the, the kicking team's 45-yard line, similar to a kickoff out of bounds, which is a very big, big penalty. So teams are incentivized to to not try to kick the ball near the boundary or not try to play around with a pooch kick um, close to the 20-yard line. And then you have the teams that can't leave their restraining line until either the ball is touched by the returner or if it hits the ground after three seconds. So so if they leave too soon, that would be a five-yard penalty um, for uh, we're calling that like an illegal formation. Okay, so also there's a, a – a- rule where the ball will go to the 15-yard line, I, I see. And that's if the ball, I'm, I'm assuming, hits the ground within the 20-yard line in the end zone and then bounces into the end zone for a touchback? Yeah, for a touchback. So then, yeah, that, that's to incentivize the returner. We, we, want, we want to see 
that player take that ball out of the end zone and return it. We feel like the play, we've eliminated those those high velocity collisions that that happen when you have that big run up, and uh, and so if the ball hits in the field of play beyond the twenty and goes into the end zone and the returner downs it, then that would be that would be a touchback at the fifteen, the normal touchback where the ball just goes through the end zone. That'll come out to the thirty five. I love it. It's going to be the very first thing we see on February 8th is this new kickoff. And I just can't, I'm, I'm yeah. so excited for it, Dean. And I, I know you guys did a lot of testing, but I, I can only imagine, you know, people are coaches are starting to think of strategies in terms of how the kickoff team's going to approach this. Maybe, you know, they have that waiting period, but you have to have guys who are able to maneuver around instead of just run down the field and have that huge collision. So it's going to be an interesting strategy uh, for coaches as well with the new kickoff. Um, let's get into the, the pace of play here, Dean, with the 25-second play clock. You alluded to it earlier. Uh, considering how fast-paced it's going to be, what, what are the rules going to be regarding defenses making personnel changes then? Yeah, that's a good question. So so 25-second play clock, and we have a dedicated ball spotter. So so that's going to be that's not an official, but somebody that's just responsible for spotting the football. And we feel like at the end of the play, on average, we'll take about seven seconds to get the football down and wind the play clock. So you're looking at 32, 33 seconds from end of play to the to the ball being made um, to the ball being made. Uh, you know, the next snap. So if the offense substitutes, then the defense will have a, a reasonable opportunity to match up, and that's the same as NFL and college rules. And uh, but with the shorter play clock, it's going to be it's going to it's going to happen more quickly than than uh, than those other those other leagues. So, again, offense subs, defense gets an opportunity. They can't delay if the referee will look to the defensive sideline, and if there's no no action over there and nobody's coming onto the field, we're just going to go and uh, and allow the offense to snap the football. Now, once the offense doesn't sub, then the defense has to be ready, and uh, and that's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And we know uh, skill players on offense are going to have headset communications. Yeah, uh, you talked yeah. about that. What What about the defensive players? Are they Are there going to be one, two, three? How many players on that side of the ball get it? Yeah, I think right now the plan is to have a. a, a it, you can have up to three on the defensive side of the ball, and 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 there's really there's three levels on defense. You have your defensive line, you have your linebackers and your corners, and then you have your safety. So. So one at each level would be uh, would be the max, and uh, and we'll see you know how many teams. Um, you know I don't know if there's there's necessarily a need on the defensive line, but they have that option. But we'll see how many uh, how many players each team does. But they can have a max of three on the defensive side of the ball. Awesome. So the the pace of play is going to be really. Really exciting, really different defenses are going to have to have great cardio. We've been talking about that with the coaches we've had on the show, <laughs> Dean. So we're, I'm excited to see that as well. And then there's the double forward pass. Now, I don't know how often we'll see the play uh, sure. attempted, but it's an exciting rule. It's interesting. Uh, is the real work of this rule, though, I, I'm thinking hopefully lowering the amount of situations where referees are attempting to figure out if the ball was a lateral fumble uh, or a forward pass. I mean, because now, you know, when coaches call that kind of play, that swing that swing pass or that backward lateral and a throw, uh, bubble screens, I mean, they're going to be going more forward than, than not. So maybe that'll eliminate those situations a little bit. Is that the thinking? Yeah, I think that's one of them. I think it will, in, in, in some instances, eliminate that need to have to figure out whether it was forward or backward, certainly if, it, if the ball is caught. If the ball hits the ground, they're still going to have to figure out forward or backward because if it was backward, it's a live ball. And obviously, if it's forward, it's dead. 
And uh, but I think that was one of those things where that's an exciting play, mm-hmm. but but it's a tricky play to run if you if you're only allow allowed one forward pass. And uh, and so we wanted to promote that promote that type of excitement. And so now, and and now it's gonna it's it's an it's another layer of strategy. It's another another um, play that the offense can put in their playbook, and something the defense just has to be ready for. So we're. We're excited about that and see to see how that plays out and how often, like you said, how often teams are going to use it. Um, well, that that remains to be seen. Yeah, I can't wait to see if a coach puts a second quarterback out there for that play. I mean, that's sure, totally sure. totally able to do that. Uh, this question regarding the double forward pass team comes from one of our listeners, Kurt, who asks, can a backward lateral occur between the two passes on a double forward pass? Yeah, yeah. So – so you can have a maximum of two forward passes from behind the line, and uh, but you can you can have unlimited backward passes. So you can, and then that's the other thing. It's just it's just a max of two forward behind the line, but backward passes you can you can throw in a backward pass between them, before it, after it, however you want to do it. It's unlimited in terms of backward passes. All right, there you go. That's the double forward pass. Now let's go to the overtime. And honestly, Dean, I am rooting for an overtime game in the XFL every <laughs> single week. I can't wait. The shootout overtime. Uh, were there any other rules or formats on the table? And ultimately, why was the shootout format uh, chosen? Yeah, I think I think we looked at everything. We looked at all the you know NFL overtime and college overtime. I think you know ultimately wanted to do something a little bit different. Make sure each team. Each team was guaranteed a possession, and uh, and I think the biggest thing that it came down to was was really the flow of the back and forth. And if you think about you think about penalty kicks in, in soccer, or you think about a hockey shootout, that that was kind of the, the feel that we were going for. And and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be it's going to be fast paced and it's going to be exciting because every play is either going to be a score or a stop, and uh, and so we're going to have that opportunity. To see, uh, you know, what what teams do in that situation. You got you got five five tries from the five yard line, and they alternate tries. And if they're still tied, then they'll just go one 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 until until we get a winner. So so I think uh, overtime. I, I'm with you. I'm rooting for <laughs> let's let's get an overtime in week one. I'm, I'm, I definitely want that. Oh yeah, it'll be epic. I can't wait to see it. And uh, you know, I'm hoping personally, you guys choose to split the field. But I know that decision hasn't been made yet, or has it? If not, when? Uh, or will there be all players on the league at the same time at both ends? Or are we going to do this in one end in OT? Yeah, I think we're still working through that. I think there's pros and cons. I like I like the look and feel of having it at both ends, and you can just go from one end to the other. But there's challenges with that because obviously you have you have to officiate each play, and if you if you have the, the the plays at either end, then you have to split your officiating crew, and you've got less coverage. So, and then also from a from a network perspective, you've got camera coverage, and, and you've got a card cam that that really would have to travel almost 100 yards, and and really in that time frame, it would be impossible. So so those are things we're we're working on now, and then once we get to training camp, I think we'll have that finalized. Awesome. Uh, I just think that this is more indicative of the actual regular regulation game, uh, the shootout in, in football, as compared to soccer or hockey. Dean, we talked about this earlier. Those sports, you're playing almost a different kind of game in overtime with sure, this shootout sure. format. In football, it's still the game, and it's the same format, and I think it's about time someone's trying it. So I'm really excited that the XFL decided to go with this overtime format. Uh, let's go to everyone's favorite topic when it comes to penalties. 
Cincinnati's pass interference. Uh, why <laughs> why did you guys decide to go with uh, pass interference as a spot foul like the NFL instead of a set amount of yardage? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the majority of our rules, probably 95, 96% of the rules are NFL rules, and, and that's professional football, and we wanted to – we wanted to make sure that we were we were presenting professional football and recognizable football, so not change it too much. And I think when you talk about the argument between the spot foul and the and the 15 yard max is is just the, the level of athlete and and the professional athlete, especially at the at the defensive back position, is is just better than the college athlete. And and we we want to promote the deep pass. And and if if you go to a 15 yard max penalty on pass interference. The, the concern is always that when a player's beat, he's just going to he's just going to tackle or grab and prevent prevent the touchdown and take the 15 yard penalty, and that's always been the argument against it. And uh, and you know then you you get into debates about well you could have different layers and if it's if it's if it's intentional it's a spot foul if it's not it's 15 but that that adds another layer of judgment um, into pass interference that that we don't want to go down that path right now so. And again, in these rules, we're going to study all the rules at the end of the year and see what you know what we liked, what worked, and if there's something that that we didn't, in, you know, an unintended consequence we didn't think about, then uh, we can we can change it for year two. Well, it, it's simpler, I think, and, I, and the one foot down rule as well. I'm I'm very excited for. I just want it to be as smooth as possible for these officials when they have to call those those you know balls in the air and everybody's going for a 50 50 it's it's tough you know but sure. uh you you sure. guys have also said you saw i saw you said in um on an, on your ama on reddit that hand fighting would be legal can we expect the xfl referees to be more lenient than letting players play and relying on maybe the replay official to just keep an eye out for anything egregious when the ball's in the air yeah, I think we want you know we want our on-field officials to officiate, especially the downfield contact, and and we'll allow we'll, just like in the NFL or college, there's a there's a certain amount of contact that's allowable between the offensive player and the defensive player while they're you know they're jockeying for position or they're moving downfield. But where we want to draw the line certainly is if if there's a grab by the defender or if there's a push off by the uh, by the offensive player, and then those are things we want to make sure that we that we that we penalize and, and i think again we want to we want to allow the defense to play um and have a chance on these on these plays we don't want it to be all about offense but again if, if there's something that steps over the line we'll uh, we want our officials to call it and we have a special question here from another listener dean who wants to ask you this is from mark who said will pick plays be illegal in the xfl yeah that's a good question so so anything that a pick play will not be legal if it, if it occurs beyond the line of scrimmage. So if it occurs right at the line, it's not a foul by rule. You can't have pass interference by XFL rule. You can't have pass interference behind the line or at the line. It has to be beyond the line. So if there's a pick play that happens beyond the line of scrimmage, it's a foul for offensive pass interference. And uh, how will defensive holding be, in, be enforced as opposed to to pass interference how can fans uh, tell the difference yeah so so defensive holding is typically before the pass and that's that's a grab it's something you'll you'll see you'll see receivers trying to run routes and then a defender will grab or hook that receiver and so that's a five-yard penalty automatic first down and then once the ball's in the air then then we can have pass interference and that's something that 
that that significantly affects the receiver or the defender's ability to make a play on the ball. And so and so that's where you get into pass interference. And, and so that would be a spot foul on the defense. And an offensive pass interference will be a 10-yard foul from, from the line of scrimmage. Awesome. Uh, let's go to the replay official now real quick, Dean. I'm really excited for this, uh, and hopefully we'll have some television access to that booth as well. I just feel like it's always good to have a guardian angel up in that booth for the referees and hopefully that's what this replay official will be hopefully they're not called upon too much but what sort of uh rules or uh restrictions will they be under will they be timed to get calls in quickly yeah so so our replay officials will be they'll be responsible for stopping the game at any point so it's not a coach's challenge system it's it's more like the college system where they can look at every play and look at all reviewable aspects of that play and then the, it's the normal set of reviewable rules like pass possession, um, scoring plays, line the game, those types of things. And uh, but we do and we do have an added element, like you said, that guardian angel. And uh, and that's where the replay official, if there's something that involves player safety at any point during the game, and it's and it's and it's a a clear and obvious mistake, and it's going to have an impact on the outcome of the game. The replay official can provide input to the on-field crew, and uh, and in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, if there's anything, even if it's not reviewable, and it's anything that's obvious, and it's going to have a significant impact on the outcome of the game, the replay official can provide input and help the on-field crew get the get the call right. And that's I think that's the goal, and why we went with the last five minutes is. Because we don't want to reofficiate the game from the replay booth, but but in the last five minutes, a team, you know, a team has less time and less opportunity to overcome a a and a mistake like that. We want to we want to make sure that we're not again negatively impacting the uh, the game. It's just an excellent backstop. I, I'm I'm loving it. I I liked seeing it, it actually in the AAF, and I know the XFL is going to utilize that role and. Uh, effective way and hopefully also uh, the broadcasters are, are going to give us something special with regards to that official uh i have one more question for the on-field rules here uh dean um w- regarding the long snapper because everybody forgets about the long snapper but uh <laughs> what are the rules going to be uh, uh, regarding lining up over the long snapper on punts and field goals yeah this is this is in all of my in all of my questions this week this is the first time somebody asked about a long snapper so i'm excited about that um, so long snapper will be the NFL rules. So you can't line up on a, on a field goal extra. Uh, we don't have extra points, but on a field goal or a punt, you can't line up over the long snapper. And then the long snapper does get defenseless player protection. So you can't, you can't take a, a, you know, a helmet to helmet, shoulder to helmet, drive your forearm into the, into the head of that player until, until he's had a chance to protect himself. So he, if he gets into a blocking posture, he's no longer in a defenseless posture. So um, those will be the rules surrounding long snappers. Awesome, awesome. And, and I'm assuming also uh, in terms of the safety of players, the defenseless players, uh, quarterbacks as well will be treated similarly uh, in other yeah. professional football leagues, you know, the, the hitting low or high, late. Um, are we, are, are we going to try to – I mean, if a quarterback gets tapped in the head by a hand, how sometimes we see that in the NFL, how yeah. closely is that going to be officiated? No, we want – yeah, normal – you know, so NFL rough in the passer rules, but but – I, it would have it has to be forcible contact to the head. So the the brush or the graze, that's not going to be a foul. 
Awesome. And, uh, and so it has to be forcible, and certainly quarterbacks will get that defenseless player protection, protection at the knee area or below because those, those can lead to injuries, and, uh, and certainly late hits will, will be fouls. It's that rule forcible in the rule book that is going to do everything yeah. to, to avoid those. I love it. <laughs> and and uh, I feel like I'm, I'm not the expert you are, Dean, but I am ready for these rules. I feel like I understand them. We're going to help fans uh, you know, Good, over yeah. the course of the next month understand them better. And I'm sure once uh, it takes the TV and, and the explanations keep rolling in, everybody's going to be ready for this new look football. Safer, faster. I, I really appreciate you joining the show. The rule book the rules are out. Will the rule book be made available to fans? Yeah, yeah. The rule book will be made available probably um, some point before the season starts. So we're just we're just making sure everything just dotting dotting the i's and crossing the t's right now. But we'll we'll have that available pretty soon here. Awesome. And then we'll give everybody the audio version, the audio rule book. We're going to do a complete reading of it, Dean, and we'll be sure oh, to cool. get you a copy. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, definitely send me a copy. <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh, take care. Enjoy the run up to kickoff in February. And we'll talk to you soon down the road. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Dean Blandino for joining us this week and really Really, I, I, I feel like I'm such a smarter football fan now, Bryant. What a guy. What a genius. What a rules expert. <laughs> to sit down and, and go through all the questions that you asked him, Alan, to talk long snappers uh, with you, it shows the patience of the man to, to go through because he loves the rules. He loves explaining the game of football to, to, to people like us. So uh, thank you for your time there, Dean Blandino, because uh, I do feel more enlightened about a lot of these rules and, and understanding why some of these went into place. Uh, and how effective they expect these rules to be in the XFL. Vince, let's get your reaction too, and let's also, I, I while I talked to him, wrote a bunch of questions down for us to go over. And before we do it, <laughs> let's have the coaches of the XFL give their thoughts on the new XFL rules to set us up for this week's Hot Read. The kicking game is, is an obvious uh, starting point. The, the punting game... Um, when to go for it on fourth down will be an issue with the punting game that's in place and the kickoff and kickoff return. I think those are significant issues relative to uh, game planning. And then, of course, the uh, the faster clock. That's going to be the biggest impact for the offense and the defense side of the ball is, is how fast we're going to be able to play with the technology that we're using. We're going to have to be much more efficient getting uh, personnel in and out, whether it's offense, defense. The extra points, uh, just whether to go for one, two, or three uh, will change uh, a lot of you know a lot of a lot of your thinking in the fourth quarter uh, we tried to expose our team to all the rules differences on the last day we had a day which was just purely a situational uh, practice for us it was a walkthrough pace but at least to expose them to that they would have zero impact the Wildcats would play Wildcat style of football with a Wildcat mentality we had to uh, you know, start to acclimate our guys to the 25-second play clock, and uh, there will be a transition of, of sorts uh, with the ball-spotting official having to make sure that um, the chains are set before he winds the clock. So I think the kickoff return and the punt return, the rules uh, that they did on that is really going to create more offense for the punt return and the kickoff return, which I think the fans will really enjoy. You think 
Do you know how like there's always those coaches, you know, that say you have to have a C. The school recommends you have a C average to compete. I don't believe you. You need to have a B. Like Moss is going to tell people if you don't put two feet in bounds and you catch that football, you're not playing Wildcats football. <laughs> well, you only need one. Don't confuse people. But yeah, that's maybe that's the Wildcat way. That's not the official rule book, though. Do you yeah. think Coach Carter is having? Like a talk with Winston Moss. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you think he's locked down the campus? <laughs> you, you think the doors at uh, Alexander Durley Stadium are just locked down until everybody yeah, understands what the Wildcat way is? They're all just yeah. sort of sitting in a room? I reading the room. Library, like a probably. crazy man. All right. Well, the coach has set us up. Winston Moss, of course, is just a treasure. And now we can react to everything Dean Blandino said there and throw more of our thoughts about these rules out because we, I, I really think, just touched the surface, scratched the surface on our bonus show this week, Bryant. So first thing up from Dean Blandino, he said there are around 170 plays per game he's expecting. He thinks estimating. Um, I, th- I think you might be able to get uh, more than that occasionally, but I, f- I also feel like that might be tough. With the play clock with the or the, the game clock just rolling most of the time, except of course for that comeback period, one seventy. It's it's an interesting number he threw out there. Well, I think here's here's what I'm going to say. This I I thought the same thing too. Alan, when he said one seventy, he gave the averages of the NFL and the and NCAA. But one seventy is above both of those. I'm on you. Um, I'm on your side when you say I feel like that number is high based on the running clock and all that. But at the same time, the XFL has done their due diligence to you have to take what they're saying um because they've gone and and, and made the the necessary adjustments and they're making statements based on all their testing yep so if he says yeah. 170 i'm gonna take 170 i feel like it's high do i think yeah but i'm gonna take them at his word and say yeah. it's gonna be around that uh count for plays in the game yeah they've they've spent a lot of time in the lab they played these simulated games you know we've talked about them and you know, so he he's got to have some basis for that number, and I'm I'm guessing that's where it's from. It'll be interesting to see, you know, once the you know when the lights come on and we have a, uh, you know, several real games under our belt, what the actual play number is. But you know, it seems like a reasonable estimate, I suppose, and really exciting estimate because I want to see 170 plays, meaningful plays in a game, and then hopefully more in overtime. Uh, what what about <laughs> what about that kicking game though? We we talked about it, and this is something we did not discuss on the bonus episode, uh, Vince. The the fifteen yard touchback, we I brought it up there to Dean Blandino, and he he, you know, reiterated that the ball has to clear through the air the twenty yard line, but if it bounces between the twenty and the end zone and goes in the end zone and is a touchback, it goes to the fifteen. That is the ideal situation for the kickoff team, of course, save for like an amazing run down the field where you catch the guy or create a turnover but the 15 yard touchback is it possible you think for any kicker to really try to get to execute that because it's a kicking it a long way and hoping for that bounce and and hoping for you know that that touchback it seems difficult i don't know how many of them we'll see but that's definitely something to strive for if you're the kicker yeah i don't think we'll see it that often you know maybe on a windy day where where the guy is having the returners having a hard time fielding the ball you know, if it's kind of like a line drive and is far away from the return man and bounces just right, you know, maybe you could get it, but I don't expect to see it that much. Yeah, the fifteen, the touchback to the fifteen yard line uh, is is a cool rule. I like it because it does encourage that return man to 
to get make sure he gets the ball and go. But uh, I, I'm interested to see. I would love that we'll have to get a kicker on the show, Bryant, and talk to them and see if anyone really thinks they could execute that. You know, have the returner not catch the ball and bounce it into the end zone from all the way back where they're kicking on the 25. Well, I think the rule was intended to encourage the returner to actually catch the ball and bring it out. Uh, is it going to be a, a kicking strategy? Perhaps, but I, that, that seems too difficult. You're running the risk of, of you know, either bouncing that ball short, having it go out of bounds, um, hitting it into the end zone. There's a lot of risky just for that few yards. I, I don't know if a kicker is going to want to take that chance, or even a coach for that matter, because uh, uh, the, the difference between the 15 and the 45, uh, it's a pretty big difference. Now, what about the 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 play clock, the 25 second play clock, the speed of the game? We we're all we all talked about that and how we're happy that you know the headset comms and everybody's going to be on the same page, so it should be smooth. You don't need huddles. The game's going to be quick. There's that ball spotter, but then that also you know, raises the question, what does this do to the defense? Are they at a disadvantage? And, and you know, getting subs in there, Vince. I mean, Dean Blandino basically said it's going to be similar rules that you see in college and pros. And if defense wants to get someone out there after an offensive sub, the refs are going to eyeball it and make sure that they have some time. But if the offense doesn't do anything, they're just going to go, go, go. And these defenses, I don't envision them really making many subs because I just I feel like it's going to be too difficult unless you've been out there a while and your guys are gassed. Yeah. I think you're going to really expect your players to play a lot of play a lot of downs in a row, or hopefully you get your three and out. Yeah, and, and this is uh, this is something that that may start to bother me a little bit, depending on how it goes. Um, and he he did also, and this is kind of coupled. He talked about the fact that all of these skill positions are, are going to have a a headset. Uh, uh, and we, we've talked about that before, Alan, you could correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, but the defense is only going to have a maximum of three players, only three guys. That's what he said. Uh, so, so you, you could be in a situation where, you know, you're telling your offensive lineman, Hey, you're just going to pass block and skill position players and the quarterback, you know, we're going to feed you in the play and we're going to just keep going straight down the field and we're not going to sub. And then if you're on defense, you know, you're trying to make adjustments, but you can only communicate through the headset to three different players. And then, you know, those guys have to then give signals. Or you got to, the, uh, the other guys got to get signals away from the sideline. I, I think that puts the defense at an extreme disadvantage uh, with how fast this could go. I, I'm, that's what I'm very interested to see. If you get somebody who's really aggressive out there and really wants to push the pace, uh, the defense, I think they're going to be on their heels a lot. I really do. Which could be a good thing for the score, though, which which will be uh, fun. But yeah, you don't want it to be too skewed towards the offense. I, I, do I sound do I sound off base by say by saying that? I don't think no. I don't think you do. I think it's something to keep an eye on. But I, in action, we'll see just how disadvantaged these defenses are. And I'm going to go out and say I think early on maybe that'll be the case. But I think by the end of the year, as you see, I think in the in the NFL or in college defenses are what get really good over time. And by the end of the season, I think you're going to be seeing uh, these defenses have their footing and be ready for the pace of the game. Well, well, not only that, but if you guys remember when the NHL installed this three-on-three overtime, everybody thought it was the greatest thing since life spread, right? Everybody was like, this is action. This is great. This is the best thing to happen to hockey ever. 
And then you give coaches and in, in, in defenses time to adapt and get better at it and understand what's actually going on. And defenses shut those things down. And I expect that to happen in the XFL uh, where, where defenses, like you say, I'm just going to get better over time. They're going to understand what actually is happening in front of them. And they're going to start shutting people down a lot easier than, than, than they were, let's say, week one. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that might be the case, you know, in terms of the beginning of the year might definitely look like all oh, these offenses haven't made. But uh, we'll see. I, I respect a lot of the players in, on these defenses. Some of these teams have ballers that are going to wreak havoc and, and, you know, make big plays. So maybe you'll see a lot of splash plays for these defenses and then they might get gassed by the end of the game. It's going to be really fun to also monitor, you know, the, over the course of a game, uh, the cardio of these defenses. We bring it up kind of jokingly, but really truthfully in the fourth quarter in the XFL, it's going to be it's going to be rowdy and fun. And then you got that comeback period. My goodness. I love I love how it sets up. Uh, the double forward pass rule. He explained a little bit further there. Dean Blandino did Vince. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that because you have that option that coaches aren't asking quarterbacks to throw maybe so parallel. So, you know, so that most passes hopefully behind the line of scrimmage are forward. So it's easier and clearer for referees to call because you want to avoid that. Oh, did it cross that plane? Is it is yeah, it forward? Is yeah. it backward? Do you think, from what Dean Blandino said there, that we might see that less in the XFL? I'm surely hoping because that is so difficult to even call on a replay. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you, Alan. It, it, I think we will see it a, a little bit more on those types of situations, just because you don't have to worry about that. Yep, but then, of course, you've got screen passes coaches are going to want to utilize and, you know, backwards pitches or whatever, and those are always going to present opportunities for those close calls. Well, always. I mean, you're going to have you know, a lot of different innovations with this rule in place. I still think that you could use this rule to get short gains, not not necessarily that big bomb downfield. We talked about that on the bonus episode. Alan, the one thing that came to mind after kind of listening to the interview with Dean Blandino and reading about the rules is who becomes an eligible receiver for that second pass? Is anybody an eligible receiver? Or is it still just uh, the, the the players at the initial snap of the football? I don't think you're going to be able to th- throw the ball to to Storm Norton if you're an Ellen Wildcat, <laughs> Brian. I don't think that's the case. I don't though. think so either, but it was yeah. just something that kind of crossed my mind is if, if linemen all of a sudden become eligible receivers, then, then who knows what could actually happen. I, I don't know about that. That's but, not the know, case. I, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and do you think these teams need to start practicing like a three-man weave or, or something like that uh, yeah. on a basketball court and to get used to doing these, you know, two maybe two quick passes? Uh, it does. It uh, will. It in, does in succession. Yeah, it opens it up for re- really one of my favorite plays that rarely gets used. But it is easier to execute a hook and ladder when you're throwing it a little bit shorter, Vince. I mean, if you throw, if you're throwing this double forward pass or something, or the hook and ladder, you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, you know, uh, is this guy able to throw the ball downfield, or what can we get done? You could get that that throw forward and the option to pitch it to a guy running, or have it have a fake pitch to a, a backward lateral, and then yeah. throw the ball down the field. I mean, you could pull that off in this league, which is going to be crazy to see when it yeah. happens. But is an awesome option. Yeah, for sure. It is an awesome option because you're opening up the playbook for sure. But I think we all agree. We don't want this to start looking like a Harlem Globetrotters uh, event when it comes to offensive football, where that ball just bounces around 10 times before it goes downfield. 
Uh, and I, I don't think that's what the reason the XFL has this rule in place. Uh, but hopefully coaches come up with good, crisp plays uh, to, to execute this double forward pass. It will have uh, to be crisp. No. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, you got to be crisp on that. I, although I will say I, would, I wouldn't mind a bucket full of confetti, Bryant. That would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Someone slam dunking the ball over the field goal post and then putting their feet up on the post. That would be cool. Well, if, if you're one of those people that get those like really close seats, may, maybe you might be able to experience that. That yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've done that before. It's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. Have you really? I did the Harlem Globetrotters courtside one time at the Staples Center. It was a lot of no fun. No way. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Wow. Well, I don't know if that the Globetrotters rule, I love them, but I, I have to say overtime in the XFL is a little bit better. Uh, even the concept of it, I know it's going to rule. If hopefully we'll see it week one, I'm serious about that. But what about the split field there, Vince? They haven't decided. Dean Blandino kind of laid out all the issues that that would present. I still think you could figure a way around that and get us that really cool visual of everyone on the field at the same time, though. What do you think? Yeah, they should I, do? I, 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 I'm with you, Alan. I'd like that, but then you know, listening to Mr. Blandino talk, uh, you know, the logistics of making that happen. As far as the referees having to go, uh, you know, for back down the field. Well, what if um, you split the referees four and four on each that, side? Well, um, how can you? Um, that's not that's not right. Uh, you know, yeah. you should have the same amount of officials refing the game at all times. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. So, Alan, I'm I'm sorry to sorry Vince to cut you off, but I'm sorry to, to to break this to you, Alan. They've already probably decided that it's not going to be split. They're just trying to figure out a way to let it down, let you down easy. So this isn't going to happen. <laughs> Like it's it's just impossible. It doesn't make any sense. He said that it was physically impossible to get a camera all the way downfield to record the second part of that split field overtime. It's just not going to happen. It's not necessary. I understand the visualization of it all, but it's just not necessary to to get if the if the important thing is to find the proper winner of the football game, it's not necessary to do the split field. Fine. Gosh. I understand. It's just it would be really cool. Maybe we could try it in training camp when i'm there at least i'm just saying dean blandino just let me see it once i just want to see it once that's it <laughs> oliver luck said that on the pat mcafee show actually uh last week that the replay official let's go to let's go up to the to the guardian angel the the replay fairy uh, gets 60 seconds to to make the call on the replay um the this person in that booth is going to have to be super efficient and really good with the technology, the Hawkeye system uh, in order to make these calls. Vince, uh, do you think 60 seconds is, is too, is too little? No, no. Yeah. Uh, if you can't make the decision in 60 seconds, given all the, the different angles, then, you know, we probably shouldn't be debating it anymore. Uh, I, I think this is excellent um, to keep the game moving. Uh, you know, some of these reviews take, too long and if you want to get the play right and you want to have more review this allows you to have more reviews i don't think people uh would be complaining in the nfl about all the reviews if they weren't so long and if they were correct though as well Vince. oh well that obviously <laughs> yeah you guys remember the old days in the nfl where they had to like run across the field to an actual booth and watch yeah. this. Now they have those surfaces and stuff on the field to make this happen. I'm sure the XFL is going to incorporate that technology where they're just going to look at an iPad uh, wherever they are on that spot of the field. I don't mind the 60 seconds. I more importantly care about the play being uh, reviewed correctly. 
so if wow. you have to take a little bit over 60, I'm okay with it. You can also make that time up by not taking so long on other plays that don't take that long. Is it, well, you know that's I mean? true, yeah. It, it, and I, I like what you said, Bryant. If the game was faster overall, then maybe you wouldn't mind taking a little bit longer for a review. Uh, and, you know, maybe this maybe the 60 seconds is really to protect them, you know, saying, well, if they get the call wrong, it's like, well, he only had 60 seconds to make the decision. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm hoping that's just a suggestion. Well, I don't know. I don't want to see. I don't want to see like a, a clock, a countdown clock, and then if he doesn't make or the person doesn't make a decision in the 60 seconds, a buzzer goes off and they say the play stands. I don't want to see that. <laughs> that would be the worst. Get like the call the, right. The people in the crowd are like three, yeah. two, one. Oh, and they that just would be great. Their team got. Them. Oh, would that be good? <laughs> oh my god, I'd love that. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. we brought I up that. i brought up there the the long snappers with dean blandino and, and you know lining up over them and just protecting certain players and that got into the quarterbacks and grazing of the helmet uh looking at tom brady last year in the playoffs uh, what do you think about that vince the the protecting the quarterbacks too much too much being a conscious effort of the XFL, you have. I think now we're conditioned enough that okay, these are positions that we need to pay extra care to and make sure they're protected. But we, we've done that enough. Now we need to be conscious on the other end and say we can't be get out of hand with that. We need to let this game be the physical game it it needs to be. And you know, if it's incidental and not forceful, and 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 you know, a, a love tap, that's okay. Yeah, I, I like what he said. You know, he 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 made it sound like it was going to be a very reasonable situation on whether it's you know uh, an intentional hit or not. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I I I, li- I liked what he said. I think he said the right thing. What about you, Brian? I thought the word he used was like forceful, right? He said forceful. Using that word, I think really clearly shows that the league is thinking, okay, we don't want uh, you know a guy to fall bef- before the feet of of Luis Perez and maybe t- touch his pinky toe and get a, a roughing the passer call <laughs> forcible contact I, I like it I think they're going to monitor obviously they want to protect these players but they have to monitor and make sure that it's understood that that these players are still playing football right and if they get touched and they get um, grazed on it's what happens but if you're if you forcibly contact a, a player oh, excuse me a quarterback in the head then you know that's a penalty, but hopefully these are things that that video official is going to be able to look at when it comes to player safety and understand. And because if you get players starting to tiptoe too much, that becomes an issue with player safety as well because you're just not playing the game full speed. So hopefully having that camera in the sky monitoring these types of situations uh, with the quarterback and defensive defenseless players uh, helps uh, defensive players play this game safely as well. Yep, I I'm hoping that gets cleared up because it's a joke still. In uh, I'd say both the college game and the NFL, uh, sometimes these these calls are just like, where was the contact? What happened? Where was? What's the issue? And I I that's some of the most frustrating stuff you see as a fan. And hopefully that's also something the replay official could be like, hey, come on, put that flag back. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we asked ourselves to do this on the bonus show and come prepared for this one with the kickoff and the punts and everything going on with those new rules. What do we think the average starting field position will be in the XFL? I asked Dean Blandino, Bryant, he said somewhere around the 30. 
You've thought about it since the rules came out and we did that show. Where do you got the average starting field position in the XFL? Um, I thought about this mightily, and I, and I figured there's one of two things. Either this is going to be returned or it's not going past like the 40-yard line. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say it's going to be somewhere between the 30 and 40. I'll just say the 35 because you're going to ask me for a specific answer. But if it's not around that, you're you're gone and you're scoring a touchdown. I I, I really like your answer there. That's exactly what I was thinking, Brian. And especially if, if you did some data analysis and you remove the extremes uh, to, whenever you're calculating your mean, that that's probably what it will end up being. That's math. Uh, the 35 is probably the more logical, but I actually wrote down the 40. I think we're going to see – I think they're going to creep up towards that midfield because I just – it's going it's gonna to be difficult, I think, for these kickers to gauge, gauge do, how close to the 20 they get it. If you kick that ball to the 19 and you're in the clear uh, these and these return men are going to have – I mean, it's going to be easy for them, I think. <laughs> to get that much space to get to the around the 40 before guys can come down and get them. I mean, they're already going to be basically at like the almost the 30-yard line by the time anyone's running at them and then or got any momentum towards them. And then but there's also the concern you got to factor in the averages. If there are these major touchbacks and the ball starting at the 45 and the 35, uh, those are also going to skew it as well towards, I think, the about the 40-yard line. But the but you you're talking about like NFL kickers today are are, are within that tw- uh, twenty yard range, right? They're kicking it between the ten and the back of the end zone for the most part in a kickoff. So moving that kickoff back, I feel like you're still within that same range that uh, NFL kickers, you know, place the ball in a kickoff. So if you're placing it around the ten, I, I expect that ball to land around the ten for the most part. Um, with your defensive, I'm sorry, with your kicking team lined up on the 35, if you go past that line of defense, there is no other line of defense other than a kicker, and I don't know how many kickers can make that big of an open field tackle on a speedy return man. A lot of accuracy you're asking for. Um, yeah, we'll see. I like I like that range, though. 35, 40, I'm going to lean towards the 40 because I think there might be some touchbacks uh, that help skew it. Um, another thing for us to nerd out on and keep our eyes on when the season's over and we look at all the data that'll be fun as well data after year one is going to be really fun to pick apart i'm starting to learn especially this week with rules week uh i got chastised bryant by my angry uncle who looked at the rules and said he liked a lot of them but uh he just gave me a ton of grief when i told him i love the one foot rule on a catch it's going to be way simpler i find myself not scratching my head during college football as much as pro uh and he said you need two feet tapping two feet's part of catching a ball since when you catch with your hands not your feet exactly you catch with your hands and not your feet it's fine if this is if this is what your uncle's uh boiling over a little bit i'm good i'm glad because this is not that big of a deal it's a catch is i would say most of the catches that happen in the in college with one foot they still put two feet in bounds, so it's it's not that big of a deal. I think the XFL wanted to make this simple, wanted to keep the game moving, and and again for player safety, having to be able to brace themselves, not worrying about just only putting two feet down. Uh, this is not a big deal to me. The XFL, I'm glad they did one foot because now it, it is going to make things a lot simpler when watching the game on television. Isn't two feet arbitrary to you guys? To me, it always has been. I mean, why? It just makes 
it's fun seeing a guy, I guess, try to get that second foot down. But at the end of the day, I just want, if you catch the ball with your hands, I want you to get credit for it, Vince. I, yeah, I agree with you. I'm I'm all in on the one foot. I, th- I think that's, it's, it's the simplest way to go. And you know what I would do also if I'm these receivers, maybe start wearing those five-fingered shoes so that you can get the toe down, the just the grays. It'll be easier to call. Maybe we should start making them wear those, Bryant. You know, like those ninja <laughs> no. shoes people wear? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Get out of here. No, we're not wearing those shoes. <laughs> All right. Bad, bad suggestion. Bad suggestion. Uh, last thing we have here on the rules, Oliver Luck said that the opening coin toss for the XFL will actually not be a formal ceremony that happens out in front of the crowd like we're used to. Uh, It's actually going to be done about 35 to 40 minutes before the game, not on the field, between team representatives and the referees, so everything gets squared away long before kickoff. Are you cool with this, Vince? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't know if it needs to be done that long before, but... Um, yeah, it, it doesn't need to be a part of the, you know, the main broadcast to slow things down. I don't think the, the 35 to the 40 minutes before game time, actually, I think is intriguing only because does how much more strategy goes into place knowing that you're actually going to be receiving the football 30 minutes before game time rather than 30 seconds. Yeah. And then you also can maybe you could, that's enough time to, I think, to rework any script you have for maybe your first 10 to 15 plays. I mean, is your script really going to change that much, whether you got the ball first or second? I think it depends on who you're playing and what what you're going to put together. You're going to put together two scripts anyway, whether you get the ball first or second. Yes, but here's, here's let me paint the picture, Vince. You're out there. It's pregame. Say uh, June Jones wins the toss. And he says, all right, I was watching over there on St. Louis during their warm-up drills, it seems like their uh, defensive end uh, is, you know, he, he wasn't running right, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe we should run to his side on those first few plays or, th- you know, target that side of the I field suppose. a little bit more. Change I, it up. I, so what are you saying? Everybody should just warm up in the locker room not to give out any information? Well, that- you, you got to, you, you know, you got to warm out on the on the field, but you got to protect, you know, your your schemes. But I'm just saying this 35 to 40 minutes Bryant brings up, that's plenty of time to not second guess, but maybe re-strategize, recalibrate with more information. Knowing you get the ball is more data about the game you're about to play, and that is only a good thing, I think. And with that much time, you could do something with that. Maybe not a lot, but maybe, maybe a lot. Who knows? Game day conditions, right? You get to actually see what's what's happening on the field. Um before the game actually starts and if it's windier than you thought then you get to approach the, the game a little bit different so uh, I, I i understand why this rule i don't even know if you call it a rule but why they're moving it to the inside i don't think there's strategy behind it i don't think that's why they did it i think they did it to save time but i do think that coaches can benefit mightily from it and there you have it a thorough rules discussion and i'm i mean that's just you know, we scratched the surface the other day, and we went a little bit underneath the surface today, Brian, but I don't think the rules will ever be thoroughly, thoroughly discussed to ever because they're rules, and they're, they're always going to be up for debate and questioning, and all. but I like this set. I think we've all given our initial reactions and thoughts and what we envision. Can't wait to see them in action next week in a training camp. Hopefully, you and I will get to see uh, some of these rules, these tweaks 
in play in real life. Report back here on the show. And uh, then we'll also have Jake on to discuss and maybe read the rule book whenever it comes out. <laughs> yeah, and it's there's a lot. I think that's a good way you put it there is that these rules we're going to be talking about throughout the season, not just this last couple of episodes that we've been doing here, because we're going to see a lot of them going to play. You know, I I've, I wanted to talk PATs today because I'm I'm wondering is it worth even going for three or do you go for one and hope that you get the ball back on defense from from your defense? Like, there's so much that's going to go into these rules uh, throughout the season that we're going to be like, look, if the XFL didn't have that rule in play, the Renegades would not have been in the the Roughnecks that day. They would have lost in any other league, but in the XFL, they pulled off the victory with the three-point PAT. Something, yeah, it's gonna, it's league-specific. It's exciting, and we're getting to know them. So, really encourage everybody if you have any questions to hit us up at XFL Show. We'll try to approach it on the show, discuss through these rules together, so everybody has a better understanding going into the season. But they're pretty simple, I think, and uh, we're gonna be continuing to illuminate discuss simplify explain whatever you need us to do and also we want to hear your opinions on the rules what you like dislike whatever hit us up and of course you could always call the xfl fan line at 724-565-4xfl and of course hashtag xfl 2020 because we're in 2020 baby we got our rules we got training camp we're gonna be coming to you from houston next week it is gonna be lovely for everybody when we're just three weeks, we're going to be three weeks away next week, Brian. That will indeed be closer than ever. You're right, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're still just four weeks away uh, to kick off, but we will be three, and then at some point two, and then one, and then we will be there. Uh, Alan, I will just want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody for um, for all the tweets and all the love out there uh, for our announcement that we made last episode. So without you listeners, obviously we would not be in this position ourselves. Uh, so, uh, you know, stay tuned. A lot of the great things are going to happen, uh, for you fans, not just for us, this show, you know, not just for this is the XFL show, but for you fans to be able to get the insight, uh, more, uh, more to come, especially with you and I, Alan in Houston next week. Exactly. Yes. Appreciate everybody who showed us the love, uh, when we announced that we are an official XFL podcast that you can find on XFL.com and all XFL channels. Uh, but we also have appreciated all of you who have been riding with us on the road to kickoff since day one. And anyone else who joined in between the support, the love, the listenership, subscribing to the show, leaving those reviews, getting everybody else involved on the show, spreading the word of the XFL, talking football. It's what it's all about. So thank you. And uh, next week, we're going to be live in houston well live on tape it's a podcast i know but we're going to be having a lot of fun and uh join us at xfl show don't forget it on social media we want to hear your thoughts on these rules plenty more to discuss jake's going to be back having read them all through next week bryant so you know he's going to make us probably do a, a whole segment on what he learned and what he's interpreting them as so get ready for that just brace yourself I, I've embraced myself for 104 weeks for this man to get to this moment. I'm going to have to wait one more week for it, but it'll be worth it. I can guarantee you that. It definitely will. All right. For Jake in his absence, reading the rules. For Vince, for Bryant, I'm Alan. Thanks again for listening. This is the XFL Show. Remember, they're listening.